You're listening to the Paul Prosize Podcast. And now Paul Prosize. Such a ridiculous opening. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, guys. Today we're going to talk about um, something that I, I, I'm curious about. I want to hear from you. And I'm going to be asking more questions, maybe answering things. And I want to know... And the, the, this may turn some people off. That's okay. I just want to, I'm, I'm curious about these things. I want to know for the people in the audience that go to church or to synagogue or to wherever you worship, if you worship, to social groups. I want to know what you guys are thinking about this whole shutdown scenarios that are going on all, all across the country. Some places are opening up. Some places are closing back down as they are here in Colorado. So I, I am curious what you guys are thinking. Are you, are you for it? Have you been staying home and watching stuff online? How is your church responding? Do you agree with it? The church that we attend has been largely shut down. They they do online. They've done online since day one. They've had that ability. They were already online doing stuff. And then when they decided to reopen, they made it so um, kids under a certain age couldn't, or they weren't going to open up those classes. And so we weren't... Didn't think it was going. It was totally reasonable. We have a two-year-old daughter and uh, almost three, but she is um, quite the handful. She's rambunctious. Our other two, older two, said that, <laughs> or would have just sat there if we had told them to not, to be quiet and sit down. In fact, one of them we can just look at and she starts crying. <laughs> but our youngest is um, perhaps the craziest, strong, most strong will challenging we're old chasing around a two-year-old three-year-old almost (laughs) anyways so we thought that that would be good to not subjugate our (laughs) our uh congregation our church to um a crazy two-year-old running around trying to make sure that she's wearing a mask all that kind of stuff and stay six feet away from people so how are you guys faring in all of this what are you guys doing to pass the time? But I, I, I do want to touch on that subject. Our church, our, how is your church doing? What's your church's response? Are they talking about the issue or are they just going along? Are your churches fighting back as we see some around the country there's specific things going out in California. There's churches suing the state. Do you agree with that? I, I'm, I'm curious if you guys are in, um, are up for that kind of a debate. I, I, uh, I have my viewpoints on that. I don't know if I want to talk about them yet, but I do want to understand where you guys are coming from. Who, who are you listening to on these issues? Are you listening to your pastor, your priest, your rabbi? 
who who are you are you getting your information from the news on on these shut down shutdowns I, I i'm i'm genuinely curious i really do want to know guys you can find me on paulprocise.com or at any of my socials send me a message private message me There's a lot of things going on with this, and I think it's interesting to have this discussion. In California, like I said, churches are shut down, and there's a lot of churches defying the the shutdown orders. There's a church in California that has received... $350,000 apparently because of the PPP loan and that there's they're defying the shutdown order in California. That's an interesting topic. Did your church reach out and get loans to keep their doors open? If the government is forcing everything to shut down, specifically churches, are those loans not also available to churches if you are forcing churches to not be able to be stay open churches by and large almost exclusively operate off of tithes and offerings and in this time people are finding themselves not being able to maybe tithe or offer as much as they did prior because of loss of jobs because of loss of investments and so they're not able to possibly fund the church. There's a great number of people that only give if they go. So they don't feel the need to tithe or offer anything if they're not in a physical church. A lot of churches get around this, have been able to sustain because they have automated gift giving. There's an app called PushPay that people can subscribe and do their automated offering through so most churches have been able to stay open but there's a lot of churches out there that have closed so through the cares act the first round of loans there was churches um, specifically this i'm looking at the hill right now in an article that's talking about different churches that have received the loans do you think that's good now they're they're forgivable loans i don't know what all that entails but if they're just forgivable loans, can they not? Is that just not a handout? That's a whole nother subject. Capital Center Christian Center obtained one million to two million dollars in loans, keeping two hundred and twenty-eight jobs. The Bayside Covenant received two million and five million to save three hundred and seventy-five jobs. We don't think of churches as large employers or medium-sized businesses, but that's a pretty decent-sized business, really. 375 jobs. That's a lot of people employed. A lot of people relying on those people to bring home the money to sustain their households. If you're just thinking of it as a business, because it technically isn't just a not-for-profit business, right? Legally speaking, I'm saying... <clears throat> So 
So are, are there hundreds of people going to your church in defying orders, not wearing masks or wearing masks and just going anyways? And it's, you know, these blanket mandates from governors, it seems, don't really take into account different sizes of congregations. There's very large congregations to very small congregations. There's churches that you can only fit a few people because they're house churches. Or there's some churches that can only fit 20 to 30 people. So being able to social distance with a smaller congregation may not make sense. How is the how are those churches faring? I know that I assisted, um, advised a smaller church that meets in a school when this first started because I have the streaming background and knowledge and and how to um, produce church services online. I've done plenty of that. And so I have quite a bit of knowledge in that. So they reached out and asked for my opinions on some, some topics. They wanted to do more than just opening up a Facebook live chat and start talking to a phone. So me and another person ended up assisting them with a little bit more. Me was, I was just more of an advisor, but some somebody stepped up and gave him more things, cameras and stuff, technical advice. So how is how are your churches faring in all of this? Do you feel that it's appropriate for a pastor to stand up there and rip up an order, as we've seen throughout several states, saying you don't have the right to tell us what to do? Do these orders defy the First Amendment? That's an interesting subject. What do you guys think about that? If the government's not supposed to create any law that hurts the church, is that what it says? I hear people saying that. Is that what the First Amendment says? Are we misquoting the First Amendment when we say Stuff like that. You can't shut down my church. It's in the First Amendment. Do we know what it actually says? First Amendment is fairly simple. It doesn't say a whole lot, as a matter of fact. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the, the freedom of speech or of the press, the right of the people to peaceably assemble, and the petition and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. <clears throat> so according to the letter of the law, it seems like government's doing that. Some people will point out that it says Congress shall make no law. It doesn't say governors of particular states shall make no law. That's a that's a decent argument, I I suppose, from a legal perspective perspective good grief should the governors who take an oath to uphold the constitution of the united states and the constitutions of their particular states or commonwealths whatever wherever you're at are they 
breaking the law by saying Congress shall make no law respecting any sta- any establishment of religion or prohibit the exercise thereof. That's the one that most people say and latch on to. Or abridging the freedom of speech. In California specifically, you were no longer allowed to sing in public because the fear of spittle whilst you sing praises to your God should infect somebody from COVID. I don't know. These are tough, tough issues. I don't necessarily have the answer because in my head I've gone back and forth. I'm like, I want my family to be safe. I really don't want to be with a ton of people. Some people who could possibly just say, screw it. We're not going to be safe or have the mindset of you don't get to tell me what to do. I'm free to do what I want. And so they could possibly technically be carrying the virus, even though stats are not really there for that, but it's possible. There is a possibility. I've said before that it's a bad disease and it can hurt you very badly. People are still dying from it. Can't deny that. We have to be honest about that. But these things are being challenged in court now, as we've seen. They're also being rejected from the Supreme Court in a 5-4 decision, rejects church's challenge to shut down order. That's in California as well. Chief Ruff, Chief, Chief Justice John Roberts was part of that decision. He said, this is Chief Justice Roberts said, although California's guidelines place restrictions on places of worship, those restrictions appear consistent with a free exercise clause. Now, this is before the last one that they said they can't even sing. So it was like he was empowered, the governor of California, was empowered by this decision and made it even more strict, stricter. Made it stricter. Sure. I don't know. Correct me on my English. My grammar, the use of the word strict. Similar or more severe restrictions apply to comparable secular gatherings, including lectures, concerts, movie theaters. So he points out a bunch of other stuff that is also protected under the First Amendment are also being restricted under these orders. So if it's fairly... Um, if the law or ordin- ordinance or executive order, however the states are going about this, if it's being fairly adjudicated, fairly enforced across the population, and it has no mind to the church, it's just blanket, everybody needs to shelter in place, every single person, does not matter what your religion is. If that's how it's being done, is it wrong for the governors to still wield that power and still not give concessions to houses of worship? I'm not a scholar in any of this stuff. I'm I'm genuinely asking your guys' opinion and your questions. I do want to have some some debate around this. 
Justice Kavanaugh wrote in the dissenting opinion that California already trusts its residents and any number of gut businesses to adhere to popular social distancing and hygiene practices. He continues on and says the, the state cannot assume the worst when people go to worship, but assume the best when people go to work or go about the rest of their daily lives being permitted in social settings. Specifically, what we, we're seeing is we're not having people enforce the protests and the riots. You're a racist, he said, riot. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's not, the claim is that, hey, there's there these things are being issued equally across the people, but are they being enforced equally? Unfortunately, I would absolutely say no. Governor Gavin Newsom has some explaining to do on this. I think there's going to be far more rounds of lawsuits across many states, and then it's going to continue to go up to the Supreme Court because it is a big deal, and it does need to be hammered out. In the end, I suspected the Supreme Court because Justice Roberts is not conservative and does not typically side with what everybody thought that he was going to be. I said that from the very beginning. You could just listen to his decisions prior to him being confirmed and you could just know that he was not a conservative. On occasion, he may side with something sim- you know, more centrist, but he's definitely not a conservative. But Bush was a conservative. No, he wasn't. He's a giant progressive. Yes, Republicans can be progressive. Are. So look at your history, folks. Bull Moose Party, all that. Progressivism is in both parties. Don't be so foolish to not think that that's where Bush was. He was a, a staunch progressive. So was his, so his father. My chair keeps like slumping down. I'm like near the ground trying to talk into the mic. It's kind of funny. If I had video this one, this one, you guys would probably be laughing at me. By the way, we are going to be having some video of this. I, I, when I started this out, I said I wanted to get a few episodes under my belt and so the plan is going on, guys, is to um, have video to accompany this. So we're going to be having or creating. Um, I do video editing. Um, I've done video editing for quite a long time. So I'm going to be um, posting the videos along with these podcasts. So you'll see podcasts with the video pushed out. And then on my um, YouTube channel, you can find me at Paul Procise. On YouTube, um, we'll be having the videos of future podcasts as well. But I just wanted to get things under my belt and just feel comfortable doing this before I had to throw in more things. It, this is nothing new to me. I've been doing this kind of stuff for quite a while. Um, like I said in the first podcast when I introduced myself, that we I have been doing streaming for quite a while. So I can, I can manage all of it, but this podcasting specifically and talking nonstop has, although I have been told that I take pauses and they're too long. Maybe it's something to work on. Mostly just to catch my breath or to 
I don't know, collect my thoughts because I, I don't know. I just forget where I'm going with times or I'm going down some rabbit hole like I am right now. It seems that the world's eyes are on California and how they're handling this right now. Yeah, New York and how they're handling this. But specific, specifically, there's churches that are suing the states. And how is that going? In Seattle, there's a church that's taking this on. So we'll see where this all lands. There's other things going on in the world, obviously, like Black Lives Matter protests and riots in the name of BLM and CARE. If you don't know what I just said, you should look it up. At the same time, We are experiencing this COVID stuff. We're experiencing pretty big racial tensions in this country. Are they manufactured? Or are they not? How is your church handling this? I know that our pastor has touched on some of these things. Personally, I, I would love for a any pastor to come out and say, this is the issue, let's talk about it. But that's dangerous, isn't it? Let's talk about Black Lives Matter from the pulpit. Can you imagine? There are some out there, and almost exclusively those churches are from the progressive mindset. Sex within the church, not sex, S-E-C-T-S, within the church do have more liberal bias, some do, and then some have very conservative mindsets. Are your more conservative churches talking about social issues? I would say a lot of them may touch on some things. Another church I've been associated with, we watched one of their sermons, and they, you know, the, the senior pastor talked about I think the week or maybe the second week after George Floyd, George Floyd died and the riots and protests started happening. He got up on stage and talked a little bit about it, said, Hey, we're listening. We don't know what our reaction is going to be. I think that was a fair thing to say, especially in the very beginning. We don't know how things are going to happen. And so Let's talk about it. Let's get together and, and have discussions. I think that was a good response from that pastor. Talking in generalities, though, so you don't make um, your congregation mad because you are afraid of upsetting somebody. Is that a good thing? Are you pushing? Are you just trying to be a, an, an appeaser? I don't want to be to create quarrels within the church. So I'm going to talk about what we need to do or how we need to react, but I'm not going to actually name the issue. There's a lot of pastors that do that. And then there's other pastors that flat out ignore it. There's one church that we've been associated with that they're just powering through and 
doing the exegetical and not ever, ever talking about anything that's going on around them. Like, the big birds with their heads stuck in a bird in the ground. La la la. Let's not talk about the issues. And I wonder too, if that's how Jesus would have responded. And we know for a fact, we read scripture that he addressed the issues of the day. He did. He talked about money. He talked about sex. He talked about all the things. He talked about political things. He poked the eye of politics. A lot of the politics was within the church in that society at the time, and he really challenged them in a major way. He named the issues and said the issues and spoke to the issues. So has your church brought up what is Black Lives Matter and how is this affecting us as a country? Because it is affecting us as a country. How does COVID affect us and how are we going to respond? And this is how we need to do it. I would bet you that of those two issues, almost every single church has talked about COVID by name. But the majority of churches, specifically conservative, maybe more white churches, are scared of touching that. Why? Afraid of losing your congregation? Sure. Afraid of losing your job because you make the wrong person mad. Maybe they're sitting on your elder board or directional board or whatever you end up calling it. We're starting to see some Catholic priests speak publicly about this and say Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization and we should not be aligning with them. We can call out racism. We can call out bad acts within society, but we should not in any way, shape, or form be aligning ourselves with X, Y, and Z. Black Lives Matter is a Marxist organization. We as a church should have nothing to do with this. From, from coming from a Catholic priest, I believe, in Iowa or Ohio. I just had the article. I just can't find it. Does your church address whatever is going on? Maybe it's not Black Lives Matter. Maybe it's uh, suicide, teen suicide, specifically in our area, our cities very close to us, have all some of the highest teen suicide rates in the entire country. How many churches in this area are talking directly to that issue? How brave are you to get in knee-deep into the filth and deal with the bull crap that's going on and around you? How is it this area is such an affluent area, one of the most wealthy areas in the entire country, in the top five to ten, it fluctuates. How is it that so many rich people have their kids killing themselves? What's up with that? Are your pastors talking to you about this? Are they talking to you by at by name, depression? Are they talking to you about these things or are they just sticking their nose in a Bible powering through? Let's just power through this next Bible verse. We can exegete this. I'm such a great exegetical, whatever. 
I don't believe that any church, any church, not a single church has any business doing anything if they're not willing to, at minimum, say, guys, we have an issue. Maybe I'm not going to talk about it directly from the pulpit, but let's get together, have some lunch, and talk about these things. Socially distanced lunch, but we need to talk about these things. How are we as a church going to respond? Sometimes that is all you need to do is just bring to your to the forefront that we're aware of these issues. We're also, because we're a predominantly white congregation, we're not a racist congregation. We just happen to live in an area that is mostly white. But we're aware that the BLM movement's going on, and we don't want to have perpetual racism. So is this an issue that we need to address within our church and our congregation? Is this something, is this a sin issue that we need to deal with? Are you having that actual conversation with your church pastors? Are you saying these things? Are you speaking to it? Are you saying, hey guys, stop charging so much on your credit cards? Or do you have some fluffy duffy whatever? We need to be financially responsible and then pass the bucket. I think being a pastor in today has, well, that's always been tough. It's always been a tough job. But I think today, even more so, it's more important to do the tough things because it's getting more and more confusing in this world. Everything's passing us by faster and faster and faster. Give your social media, give addictions to porn. You have all these things. And while I personally prefer an exegetical sermon because I love to get down into what does this Greek here mean? What does this, what, what, what do they say? How do they say this in Aramaic? And does that make sense? Is that culturally relevant to today? Actually, I think that's important. But what is also maybe more so important in these times specifically is calling out the issues. Are you addressing Black Lives Matter when 16 million to 19 million, I don't know what stat to believe, people since the 60s have been murdered through abortion? Are you calling that out? Are you talking about life? Are you talking about life issues? If you are a church and believe that Jesus exists, and if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, are you talking about the atrocities that are happening through Planned Parenthood and other organizations? Are you willing to talk about that? Or are you more interested in making a really fancy graphic that's going to fit on their screen for Sunday morning? Are you more interested in making the most perfect worship service? What if you just put down the instruments for a week and say, guys, we've got to get real serious because there's so much going on and you need to know how to react to people. You need to know how to talk about these things. 
This is what the Bible says about this particular issue. This is what the Bible says about this particular issue. Are we doing that, pastors? I don't think that we are, by and large. There are churches that do it. I'm not talking to the ones that are perfect. If you find a perfect church, leave. You're going to ruin it. So my question to you folks is how are you responding? How are your pastors responding? Let's talk about it. Go to my website, paulprocise.com. Find me on social media, Paul Procise. Find me on locals, paul.locals.com. I'm interested to know what you guys think about all of these things. Every single thing is very important to me. I, I'm I want to talk about you how your churches, how how your pastors, if you're a pastor, I'd specifically love to hear how you're responding to these things. It's important. If we are to affect change, we need to be better church. We need to be doing the right things. My name's Paul. You guys have a great day.